So the title of this message is called Sin Has Consequences. And I'd like us to turn to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 12. So I spoke about David a few weeks ago and his sin against God. But just in a brief, in a brief, he, he slept with his servant Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and he got her pregnant. And David tried to cover up his sin by having Uriah killed. Then he took Bathsheba for himself. Now there are a few things I want to point out about this account. Uh, when Nathan the prophet confronted David and how David's flaws contributed to what God said about the consequences of his sin. So I'll, let's pick it up in Second Samuel chapter 12 and let's start at verse 10. I'll read verse 10 through 12 and then I'll jump from, jump off from there. Okay, so verse 10 reading goes like this. And this is Nathan speaking to, to, to David. So verse 10. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. That's it. So we know what David did. We know the Lord forgave him. However, as the Lord said through the prophet Nathan, he said, you did this in secret. He said, but this is what's going to happen. You're going to have trouble in your house and your wives are going to give them to your neighbor and they would, they would, the neighbor would lie with your wives for everyone to see. Everything that's going to happen, it's not going to be in secret. It's going to be out in the open. Because the sin you committed was in, done in secret, and you try to cover it up. And the consequences of it will be out for everyone to see. And that is a warning to all of us. Okay. So, the prophet said, the sword shall never depart from your house. That means adversity will be against you from your own house. Your wives will be given to your neighbor. Your sin was in secret, but the consequences will be for all to see. Now, let me explain what this setup was like with David. David had wives. When he, he had wives and he had concubines. When he took Bathsheba, it's not that he was lacking women. He, he had wives and he had concubines. He already had more than he can handle. Having wives and concubines, he had a lot of children. And then all the children, they were either, either related because of coming from the same woman or they were half-brothers and sisters. Okay, so they were all related, right? So they called their brothers and sisters, but they weren't all from the same woman. But you understand, this is what 
his, his household environment was like. So turn to me with 2 Samuel chapter 13, and I want to start from verse 1, and I want to show you something here. Show you how the sin of the parents follow the children. Second <clears throat> Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Alright, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 7. So after this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister that he became sick, <clears throat> for she was a virgin, and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. Verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Why are you the king's son becoming thinner day by day, day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house, and prepare food for him. That's it. So you see here, Amnon, he was lusting after his half-sister. Because Absalom, who is... Um, Tamar's brother, they were living in wherever they were living with their mother. Amnon had his own mother. So they were living in two separate areas. So Amnon, lusting after his half-sister Tamar, and you see here it said he was what? The guy was losing weight. He was in distress. He was becoming thin. He was becoming sick. He was lovesick or lustsick, however you want to call it. He was tortured. He was a tortured soul mentally. He couldn't eat. He was sick or lovesick. He confessed to his, his cousin Jonadab about his burning desire for Tamar. And of course, Jonadab, his friend, who was also his cousin because his father is Shemaiah, who is David's brother. So Jonadab is Amnon's cousin, first cousin. So he is, Jonadab seeing the condition Amnon's in, asking him, what's going on with you? Why are you, you're not eating? You look like you're losing weight. What is distressing you? So Jonadab, Amnon tells Jonadab about his desire for his sister. So Jonadab, of course, gave him advice because jo Jonadab was his friend, so he gave him advice. But Jonadab's advice was not good. The scripture stated that he was a crafty or cunning man. And, the, and we know that 
the type that knows these are the type of people that knows how to scheme to get their way when they use subtle crafty cunning that is exactly what the lord used to describe satan in genesis he said he was the serpent was subtle he was crafty he was cunning and these are the type of people that you have to be very careful of these are very dangerous people the cunning and the crafty ones because they're the, usually the ones who get people to do the dirty work for them. They never get their hands directly dirty, but they get people to do the dirty work for them. Anyhow, so Jonadab is advising Amnon on what to do. So he basically, he said, pretend to be ill so that you can lure your sister to your house, to your quarters. And that's exactly what Amnon did. So Amnon did exactly what Jonadab encouraged him to do. He set up Tamar. And he forced him. When she came to him, he forced himself on her and raped her. He committed sexual sin. That sounds a lot similar to what David did with Bathsheba. Lusting after this woman. You just saw and he had to have her. And he lay with her. This is the same thing. It's no different than what his son just, is, just did here with his sister, his half-sister. He committed sexual sin. So here it says, you know, based on what it says here, you have to be careful of who you take advice from, especially, and this is a lesson we need to learn, when you desire to do something, you know it's wrong. It's not that Amnon didn't know it was wrong. It said here in verse 2, it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. He knew it was wrong. And he, was, he wanted her so bad, but he knew it was wrong. And he was a tortured soul. So it's not that he didn't know. But you have to be careful. When you know you have a burning desire to do something that you know is wrong, expect, and I'm telling you, expect the enemy to bring someone to encourage you to do exactly what you're not supposed to be doing. Expect it. Never be in a surprise when you are driven to, you feel driven to do something and when someone shows up or the thought comes about doing it. Okay? That is a warning and that always happens. It always happens. So, what was even worse about this incident, and this is part I'm not going to, I didn't read, but I'm just going to tell you. This didn't have to happen. He didn't have to rape her because all he had to do was talk to his father, David, about his half-sister and she could have been made his wife because David wouldn't have withheld her from him. And this Tamar, while he, was, while he accosted her, she pleaded with him to not to do it. She said, my father, won't, he won't withhold you from me, but don't do this thing. But he was, of course, he's stronger than her. And he overwhelmed her and he raped her. But his test shows you that his lust overwhelmed his reason. You can't think straight when you're driven by your desires of your flesh. That's like what happens to drug, drug, drug addicts, alcoholics, sexual predators and so forth. They are driven by an urge, a desire to do something. And, you know, you could only use willpower for so long. 
But after, you're going to lose. Because the drive is greater than your will. You can't be on top of your game 24-7. So what happened is after he raped her, his lust or his love turned to hate. That's, that's really something. So he was disgusted with her after he raped her. And he defied her and he rejected her. That's bad. So let's go to verse 19 to 22. And, let's, and I'm gonna, let's read along. So verse 19 says, Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her. And laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. And for Absalom hated Amnon, because he had forced his sister Tamar. I'm going to stop there. Tamar's brother Absalom, as I said, they were in the same house, they had the same mother. He knew when he saw her, the state she was in, that Amnon had something to do with it. How did he know that? Well, he probably knew where she went. And then, the giveaway was the robe that she was wearing. The robe of many colors, I think that's what it says. Virgins usually wear those robes. But she came back with that robe torn and in distress. So he knew. That's why he said, Has Amnon be with you? Has Amnon been with you? So he knew. So what, if you see what happens here now, the chain of events. David heard about what happened. He got very angry. But if you keep reading, reading, he did absolutely nothing about the situation. He did nothing about it. He did not speak of it. He did not confront his son Amnon about what he did. About his sin. He didn't even punish him or force him to do what was right for Tamar. Which was to marry her. Make, him his, make her his wife. Because he defied her. So he did not even. David did nothing. All he did was get angry. Getting angry doesn't fix anything. It's what you do with your anger that matters. So Absalom, he left it alone. He did, he did not even speak to his brother because it said here, verse 22, Absalom spoke to his brother, Amnon, neither good nor bad. He had nothing to say to him. Nothing, absolutely nothing to say to him. But he hated him. He hated his brother because of what he did to his sister. And even worse, his father did nothing about what his half-brother did to his sister. So the what did Absalom do? Absalom devised a plot for revenge. Verse 30. Let's go to verse 30 through 33. Verse 30. And it came to pass, when they were underway, that news came to David, saying, 
Absalom has killed all the son, king's sons, and not one of them is left. So the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground, and all his servants stood by with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose they have killed all these young men, the king's sons, for only Amnon is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now, what happened before all this? Absalom plotted his revenge. He waited for two years. If you go and read between verse 23 and 29. He waited two years to execute the plot. And Jonadab, the one who helped set things up, got Amnon, encouraged Amnon to do what he did. Jonadab knew about the plot because it said here in, verse, in the verses I just read. Jonadab told David exactly why Absalom did what he did. And he was the one who encouraged Amnon to do what he did. It's a good thing that didn't get out or else he would have, he probably should have been put on the chopping block. But anyhow, Absalom set things up. And he had his half-brother murdered because of what he did to his sister. Now, this didn't, ha didn't have to happen. You see, if David had addressed the issue, Absalom wouldn't have had to kill his brother. But David didn't do anything. So now you have one brother putting, uh, murdering the other brother. Of course, Absalom didn't do it himself. He had his servants do it. He set it up. So to, to take a note now, note from the account of David and his children. David committed sexual sin with Bathsheba, as I mentioned before. And he knew what his son Amnon did was wrong. He knew it. He got Because he got angry. So he knew it was wrong. But the problem is he didn't do anything about it. Even though he loved his children. You know, David loved his children. He should have dealt with Amnon's sin. David understood the consequences of his sin. And how it could affect his, the son's life. But he did nothing. If he had confronted Amnon and dealt with him, Absalom would not have murdered him. He would have no reason to, because the issue would have been dealt with. And the only issue, the only thing that could have come about this is either Amnon had to be killed or he had to marry Tamar. That's it. And I felt the latter would have been his recourse. But David's inaction and Absalom's action have now made what Nathan the prophet said about his household a self-fulfilling prophecy. A self-fulfilling prediction. Why? It shows that God knew, knew David's heart even better than David knew himself. And he knew where he was deficient. God knew where David was deficient in his character. David was not a good father. He spoiled his children. And he didn't discipline them. That is the nuts and bolts of why the things happen. Now Nathan said by the Spirit, he said, the, Lord, the sword shall never depart from your house. That's what he told David. There will be adversity against you from your own house. And it will be, and it will be 
uh, all out in the open for all to see. He said, what you did in secret is going to be out in the open. The consequences will be out in, for everyone to see what is happening in your house. People began to see the fallout from the turmoil in David's house, his family, because of his sin. People don't know the details. They're not on the inside knowing exactly what happened. But they see the fallout. They hear about his, what David did. They, they don't know the details, but they hear about it. They, heard, they hear about Absalom murder, having his brother murdered. They hear about him, uh, his, his brother, raping his sister. They hear about it. And you know how people, people talk and people embellish and add to things. But gossip, people talk. And they see the fallout from this family and what's going on. And they're thinking, what in heaven's name is going on with this family? But what's happening, what is happening, the fallout is showing people that things weren't right with this family. Even though David repented of his sin and he was forgiven. Because his sin was similar to what Amnon did. However, he didn't deal with it. And it was the beginning of what God said would come to pass. Now this is just a warning to us. And I'm telling you it's, it, it has me shaken up sometimes. You know we, when we get ourselves in sin, we don't think of the long term consequences. Because it's a, it's a decision made in the moment. And everything, is, as I said, is a choice. But the consequences of it, even though David was forgiven, he had to spend the, most of his life dealing with the drama from the fallout for what he did. Because it affects not only him and Bathsheba, it affects his children. It affects everyone. It affects the generations. That is the fallout. Because God is not going to intervene and stop something that you put into, 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 in, you got the, 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 the wheels rolling. You put this thing into, into play. He doesn't go, the God isn't going to go and stop. Because it is a, it is a choice. It, it is showing people the consequences of choices that people make. You know, somebody, you know, was wondering, you know, why do bad things happen? Why are, are, are things happening in the world? Why does God not put an end to things? Why doesn't he put a stop to the stuff's happening? He doesn't put a stop because people will see the things that are happening is a result of consequences of what people have done. So that you people know by what is happening, the choices people have made. And for those who see what's happening, that they ought to know to choose good and not evil. So what can we learn from this account with David and his children? Well, first we learn that sin has consequences. And they're not good consequences. They're negative consequences. Even though we repent and we are forgiven of our sins, they are long-term consequences or results of fallout which affect the lives of others. And we should not be quiet about sin in our houses, household. We should not be quiet, especially when we know better. We should not be quiet. 
And if we were, past tense, because were, past tense, guilty of similar sin, and others bring up our past, as an excuse to ignore our correction, do not back down. Because why? Because you know better now. Don't back down, but stand for what we know is right, because sin is not free. People like to throw stuff in your face. Well, you did it. Why are you trying to tell me what to do? Well, I did it. And I, ref I repented and I'm forgiven. But I am telling you that there are consequences to what you're doing. If you want to go down the path that I went down, I am telling you. You don't just tell children that it's not good to do it. Our correction and advice may not be received, but at least when we stand our ground and we tell them, all right, they know where we stand. However, there are those who would listen and who would take our correction, our advice, because they trust us. And one, they, as a parent, it is imperative, if you want your children to listen to you, they have to be able to trust you. If they cannot trust you, I don't care how much you talk, they're not going to listen to you. They are not going to listen. So you betray your, the trust of your children, it is very hard to get that trust back. Okay, that's one. We must not be afraid to tackle the hard things and confront them openly with our children. Listen, when I was growing up, there were some things my parents didn't tell me. Because I, you know, when I look back at, on my life, some things they didn't know. But some things they knew. But they didn't have the, the guts to confront me or my siblings and tell them the truth about be certain behaviors and certain way you conduct your life. Or they'll say, well, you know, it's not, that's not good. That's not a good way to live. But tell me why. Explain it to me. But, you know, many times we don't want to have the hard conversations with our children. But we're doing them a disservice when we don't have the hard and the tough, the tough conversation with our children. We can't be cowards. We must not be afraid to tackle the hard things with our children. Because that's how they learn. That's how they learn. That's how they know. And that's how they get to, to trust us when we are not afraid to say the things we need to say. And be open and vulnerable with them. Yes, we want to protect our children. But keeping things from them is not wise. It's not always a wise thing to do. Yes, they, when they're small, it don't make sense telling them stuff. Because they, they, know, they don't have the capacity to grasp what you're saying. But when they're at age, a certain age, don't be afraid to, to confront and speak to them about the things of life. Because it will affect them. Sin has negative consequences. And it will affect their life. If you really love your children, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. No matter how hard it is, tell them the truth. Because they grow up and they will know, if they don't know already, that their parents aren't perfect. They, they find out real quick that their parents aren't perfect. 
but listen to them. Share your heart and speak the truth. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. Don't be afraid to share your heart. Don't be afraid to share your life experiences. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Because they already know when they are, they are that age, especially in their teenage years, they already figured you out. They already figured you out. So don't be afraid to, 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 to tell them like it is. Don't cover things up. Don't sugarcoat things. Because they're going to find out sooner or later. So they better, they, they better find out from you. And as I said, yes, we have made our mistakes. We have, we have sinned. We have made our mistakes in life. And the way our parents try to, to mitigate our, our choices and decisions, they try to tell us and instruct us and guide us on the, on the right choices to make in life. Because they don't want us to make the same mistakes. But many times they don't, tell, they don't really sit down and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with us about life. About life, love, and, and just how you, how you go about doing things. But we now, I believe we are a different generation. We know better. And we just have to have the courage to be able to speak to our children. And speak the truth. When you call you 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 call a spade a spade, and you know it's so easy to spoil them. I'm telling you, it is so easy to spoil our children. But my God, you have to think about their life. You have to think about how when you're spoiling them, what it does to them as men and women, and when they have to go into have relationships of their own. You cripple them when you spoil them because they go into relationship unprepared and then you know their their consequences from and through in those relationships so don't be like david don't just be angry do something about it pray you know and you do something about it when you're not don't be don't do it when you're angry let your anger subside and pray and ask god for wisdom and how to talk and deal with your children